We welcome hip-hop artist and community organizer D-Square to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Also known as Damien, he has released two albums in the last year and has put an incredible amount of himself into these works. Tonight we'll learn about his life so far, the causes he champions, the art he creates, and much more. And later, he'll play a set of music. Please welcome to the program Damien Square and DJ Broken Record. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate you being here. Um, And I think we should just dive in because, like I said before we started, you know, these songs and these albums are filled with so much uh, of of not only what you believe, what you observe, but also what you've experienced. So I think a a really good place to start is um, the first album, which I would prefer not to say the title out loud, but you're welcome to, came out in March of 2018. What is that album called? Nigga Spirituals Volume 1. Yeah, yeah. Um, you use the phrase, my life, my pain, our struggle, to describe this release. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about what your life looked like. This was a period of time that was filled with a lot of struggles, but these shaped the person that you would become and the artist that you would become. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I moved out to California on my own um, when I was like 19. My parents, my family is based, is from Oakland, California. Um, but my family stayed back home in the in the South. It's, I have other family that's back home in the South in Alabama. So I came from Alabama up here um, after moving around the world because my parents were in the military. So, you know, I just wanted to get outside of my comfort zone, find out who I was as a person and how far I can push myself. I always felt like I had something special to offer, so I came out to California. And um, I had an uncle that was out here living in Nevada, Marin County, um, working at Dutra Construction. And, you know, he allowed me to move in with him, and I slept on his couch for about a year and a half and enrolled in Santa Rosa Junior College. And for the next seven or eight years, I was sleeping on couches and floors and you know, dealing with a lot of different things that molded and shaped me into the person that I am now. Yeah, let's talk about that because you, for a time, you were sleeping in the car yes. and you were yeah. struggling, and um, that was where the the, the fuse was lit mm-hmm. to becoming a hip hop artist. Mm-hmm. Is that a correct statement? That's a correct statement. I'm yeah. smiling because he was a big part of that experience. Because when I was in that car and my back was against the wall, and I, I had. The real truth, I got I got terminated from a job that I was at, wrongfully terminated. You know, I ended up suing the company that I got um, terminated from. But before all of that, I got terminated from the job, ended up losing the room that I was in, um, uh, and got kicked out of the place that I was in. So I started sleeping in my car, and it was it was that experience. I never had got so in touch with my raw essence, my raw spirit. I think every human being should know how long that they can go without eating, how far your body can go without drinking liquid before you actually start to physically break down. Because it's just good to have that type of measuring stick on your body, but also I think that's where a lot of the magic is. A lot of the system that we're in right now is really designed to separate you from your spiritual essence, we're all spiritual beings having a physical existence. So in that car, I had the only thing that my spirit and myself had boiled down to was where can I sleep and what what can I have to eat? You know, where am I going to eat at? Because I had no money to get food. A lot of times he would help me. I would go over to his house and he would make me a sandwich and things like that. It was a blessing and a curse, but that's where nigga spirituals came out of that, that vehicle. Yeah, because that's where you started writing music. Yes, that's exactly yeah. where. And, you know, like you say, uh, you know, you wrote to me that sometimes it'd be three, four, five days without food. Correct. And so you got to just in a, in a very tough way, got to experience some of probably the ugliest things you'd ever experienced. And that gave you insight into a lot of these issues, I'm sure, that you had thought a lot about, I'm sure, prior to this. Right. But they probably started to become front and center for you. Spot on. They became very front and center to the point where... Um, when, when you become angry about something, that's when you are going to do something about it. 
when I was working a job and I had my room that I was staying in and I was going to college, there was nothing for me to be angry about, even though I knew about the injustices that was going on. I was part of the Black Student, president of the Black Student Union, doing a lot of student activism and community organizing at the time, not um, as heavy as I got into it. I didn't have anything to be angry about when everything was going okay. Once I lost all of those things and being in that car and not having food and not knowing where I was gonna sleep and things like that, that's when, um, a lot of the there we go. A lot of the societal ills that I knew about and that I were participating in, um, as far as bringing awareness to them, it became a lot more serious to me. Because first of all, I was done wrongly by the company that I was with, that I ended up suing for racial discrimination and wrongful termination. Um, and then me dealing with the things that I was dealing with at Santa Rosa Junior College as a young black male and a predominantly white. Uh, college and um, the discrimination that I was facing in there um, and that's what led to us starting the Black Student Union and that's where I started to become way more engaged in the things that I'm doing now um, it all started at Santa Luzia Were you a part of starting that student union? Yeah I was. Okay because I knew that you were a leading voice in that yes. I, I didn't know that you were a part of the, the founding of it the resurgence of the founding. Ah. The, the Black Student Union had been, at Santa Rosa Junior College, had been dormant for over 10 years uh, prior to 2015, prior to 2015. So when we came in in 2015, we, we got it back, started up, and wanted to hit the ground running, and that's when we did the fundraiser, went to Tanzania, Africa, built the school, and started doing all the type of other stuff as far as establishing black student unions in the local high schools around here in this area also. This is the origin story of D-Square, you know, and I, I just want to say one other thing you wrote about that album. You said you got into writing music as an outlet to release the intense internal pain and that you made it work for you as opposed to against you. And so, you know, not only do you feel strong about these things, but you also just developed a different way of looking at life. And I think it's important to, to note that you wrote that your pain is your best friend, especially if you're an artist. Right. And I think without that pain, you wouldn't have become the artist that you are becoming. Right. And so I just, I really wanted to like start with that because I feel like without those years, I don't think we'd be sitting at this table right now. Absolutely not. I think Frederick Douglass said it best. Without struggle, there will be no progress. Um, the album that I just came out with, July 13th, called Strug Life, is all about that. It's about embracing your struggles and turning your negatives into positives because everybody struggles. To live is to struggle. But just because you uh, struggle doesn't mean you have to suffer, you know? Um, it's about finding beauty in your struggle, finding some type of beauty in your pain and allowing, you know, allowing yourself to feel that pain, but not to the point to where it's going to destroy you. Because on the other side of pain, there's, you know, that's happiness, there's triumph. Um, and then everybody else is human. So everybody else feels that pain and relates to that pain. So if you somehow can figure out how to embody that and share that pain you can um you can create an outlet for yourself and that's what i did american nightmare was the first song that i wrote in the car i felt like i had no hope i didn't have anything that i like wanted to like live for or aspire for i had i had to refine myself and rechannel what i was doing on this planet um and once i put that piece of myself out into the world the american nightmare which was basically talking about my struggle and our struggle it resonated with a lot of people and it gave me hope and it and that is what drove me to keep writing and keep writing and you know that gave me the inspiration so it was it was really that song American Nightmare he recorded it for me nobody would help me nobody would help me because I didn't have any money so all of my friends um, that I would reach out to you know to do a video or to record me like they wouldn't do it because I didn't have any money so you know and this man to your right, DJ Broken Record, yeah. um, seems like you, you keep popping up during the hard times, you know? You know, we actually, <clears throat> we met outside of music, and I think we met through activism. Because of that, he wasn't the average artist. So I wasn't, I was willing to work with him because of his politics. Um, if he was just the average artist, I mean, I'm a DJ, obviously I love all types of music, pop music, everything. But uh, in terms of what I'm going to spend my time and money on, you know, I, I run a studio, and so time is money, literally. 
if I'm going to spend money and time on someone, it's going to be someone who I think uh, is going to do something for not just me, but for everybody. So uh, if it hadn't been for the strength of the philosophy in the, in, in the music, I wouldn't have wanted to work with him. That's why I decided to help him out. Obviously, he helps me out now. You know, we help each other out. He's getting more shows now. So it's kind of like he's able to pay it back now. What an incredible thing. Now it's 2018. You are in double major at San Francisco State University. And um, and you met when you were at the JC? Correct. Okay. So how has academic life influenced your artistic path, would you say? It really shaped the music in a way that it's hard to describe because the experiences that I dealt with when dealing with teachers within Santa Rosa Junior College um, are the ones that pushed me into activism. Because like I said, I was, as a young black man, I was always aware of racism, not as aware of it as I am now and the systemic and structural nature of it, um, which is why as a young black man, when I came out here to California, young, naive, wet behind the ears, and I'm getting fired from all these jobs, I'm not knowing about racism, white supremacy. I'm not knowing about structural racism. I'm not knowing about how systemic it is. I'm not knowing about these behavioral patterns that I have as a young black male that are um, deemed as threatening within a workspace or a work environment. So, you know, it was those trial and errors of me getting fired and then combined with how I express myself at school being opinionated and, um, you know, questioning teachers that would put up you know, foul pictures of black men hanging with signs on their necks that said, you know, in words, can't vote, you know. So I had teachers that were suspending me from class, uh, tried to get me expelled from school, and I had traveled the world. So I was, it's, you, you captured it with what you said as far as like me, like those experiences, I was able to take that, that little year where I had a lot of those experiences, I was able to kind of um, correlate that with all of the experiences that I had in my life when I was moving around Hawaii, uh, Germany, Alabama, Georgia, Missouri, and all of the different people I met. And I kind of recognized the pattern. Like, hold up, this is a pattern that I had not been recognizing as a younger black youth. C- can um, I ask you, um, yeah. so you moved from Alabama out to California, and it seems there that you were even more affected by the racism here. So my question would be, how is there a difference in the way that racism is, is practiced, noticed? Well, I was more affected by the racism in, in, in California. California. Before, I was, as a young man, I was not as aware of the racism. You know, in Alabama, you would see on Halloween, you would go to the grocery store, or people would be out in KKK, you know, uniforms in Alabama, Confederate flags. But, you know... It wasn't some the people don't go out and disrespect you in Alabama. The lines are very clear. If you walk up on a person who has a Confederate flag in their front yard, you know what to expect. But aside from that, the lines are pretty clear. And here in California, it's a little bit different because, you know, the people who um, you would think are on your side are supposed to help you will smile in your face, but then turn around and um, belittle you or demean you. You know, I was on the debate team, the speech and debate team at Santa Rosa Junior College for a little while. And I left the debate team because one of the advisors of the debate team, one of, you know, one of the teachers, the main teachers, I ain't going to say his name, but he he said the N word like five or six times. Like this was like my second semester on Santa Rosa Junior College. I never experienced nobody saying that to me in my life. So, you know that affected me and I had a confrontation with him about that and I end up getting out of the speech and debate team yeah you know so that you know that shaped my experiences you know where I'm at now if I hadn't went through that stuff at Santa Rosa Junior College with those teachers I probably wouldn't be rapping about the stuff I'm rapping about right we talked about this a little bit before but um was there an intention behind that March 2018 album that you put out the full length Oh yeah, that was definitely an intention behind that. Uh, that that again, that 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 album came out of the car. So it was a lot of pent up rage. It was a lot of pent up uh, anger. It was it was it was me becoming a lot more intelligent and understanding, comprehensively understanding, overstanding, and understanding racism, white supremacy, and what it is, what it was designed to do. And just like uh, the brother Nelly Fuller 
Jr. says, who is the mentor of the late, great Dr. Francis Crest Wilson. If you don't understand racism, white supremacy, what it is and what it's designed to do, everything else that you think you understand will only confuse you. So when you look at black man outside and you see him on the corner, pants sagging, selling drugs, when you look at the, the prison industrial complex and over 50 percent of them is African-American men, when you when you when you look at uh, 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 some of the the top stress related diseases, hypertension, uh, you know, kidney disease, you know, African-Americans are in the top 10 percentile of those. Though that's not by that's not for no reason. Those you know, these are. Uh, reactions from dealing with racism, white supremacy. Um, so that album was addressing that affirmatively. And if you look at the front of the album, back in the day, um, black journalism, they used to talk about a lot of the lynchings and the things that were going on to black men. And the things that they used, the three things that they used was graphic photographs yeah. catchy titles and red ink so if you look at the cover of nigga spirituals that cover is that it's black and white it's a very graphic photograph it's a catchy title it's a title that grabs your name grabs your attention and then it has got the red ink which scribbles out the Negro spirituals and shows the nigga. so these were tactics that black journalists like the Chicago Defender which was a very popular paper, like in the early 1900s, you know, a black man that was, you know, putting out information that was strictly for black people and talking about what was going on in their communities and whatnot. Uh, yeah, so I just wish, it was me as an intelligent black man really coming to a full understanding of what I was dealing with and dipping into my artistic self to say, how can I creatively approach this as a musician and make music that is not gonna scare people away like my man was saying it's not conventional conscious rap you know no disrespect to the krs ones and the you know uh the talib qualis and the most deaths they music is dope i'm a big fan they influenced me to become the artist that i am but one big thing that i looked at was when i look at gangster rap you have the little waynes you have the ygs um, and then you look on the, the polarized, the other polarized spectrum of that, you have um, people like, uh, well, in the middle, you have the conscious rappers, like the most Defs, the Talibs, Qualis, they fall somewhere in the middle. Where is the radical version of a conscious rapper? Like, a, where's a Lil Wayne or a Takashi in a conscious form? You know, that makes it cool, that makes it swaggy, that makes it fly to be conscious, to be revolutionary, to be a rebel, hence Rebels Club. Um, so that was my main focus in, in that album, trying to mix the medicine in with the food so that the people can digest it. Because I know if I be too lyrical, it's going to go over people's head because the music now is being used as a weapon to sabotage the minds of of the youth so they're operating at a lower vibration because the music is designed to subdue them and have them operating at a lower vibration on their primal root chakra so if i come with some lyrical intellectual spiritual operating at a higher vibration it's going to go right over their head so where's the fine balance and that's what i felt or what i was attempting to do with uh nigga spirituals volume one and the graphic photo that you're referencing is uh, you without a shirt on, uh, all sorts of scars on your back as if you'd been whipped. Correct. Just an important thing, I think, to point out. Yeah, it was... Um, it's, that a is, it's a pretty shocking photo. Yeah, it is actually um, based off of a real photo. Um, and I'm so mad at myself that the... Oh, Gordon. That's the name of our ancestor. His name is Gordon. And uh, Gordon um, was a slave out in Baton Rouge, uh, in the late 18, early 1900s, uh, he escaped slavery by running over 80 miles to join Union troops and have some resemblance of some type of freedom. When he gets to the Union troops where they were stationed at, um, he takes off his shirt to be fitted for his uniform. And that's where that iconic 
photograph was taken. And that photograph was used by abolitionists all over America to, you know, show the atrocities and the horrendous, heinous nature of slavery and what it was. So it was it was a very powerful tool. And that's why I used it on the cover, because I felt like it could be used still to this day to show the horrendous nature of what we're still dealing with. Yeah. Let's go into some detail on that album because it, it is still new. It's not your newest piece, but I mean, it's just jam packed with information. The first track is Black Power Blueprint. And you wrote this song uh, because of Amos Wilson, who wrote a book. Mm-hmm. And um, it, this has to do with the notion that in order for true liberation to be obtained, land, language, and culture must be firmly intact. Could you go a little bit into that? Yes. Uh, Amos Wilson, Dr. The late great Dr. Amos Wilson. See, these are my ancestral guide stones. I'm a very spiritual individual. And when I was in that car, I connected with these ancestral spirits. It's deeper than just reading their works. And again, when you combine reading this stuff and understanding this stuff and you're in a car and you haven't ate in two or three days, you know, I'm telling you, there's something bigger. Again, we're all spiritual beings having a physical existence, but there's some other stuff going on that I feel like we're we're deliberately being um, uh, distracted from tapping into. And somehow I was able to cut off all the distractions. I haven't watched TV in you know six, seven years. I don't watch TV at all. I don't watch NFL at all. I don't watch NBA at all. I don't, I don't know what the hell is going on with none of that. Like I'm really disconnected from all of that and I'm very centered in on who I am, what I'm doing, and continuing to study what I'm doing so I can become the fullest version of who I see in my mind's eye. Um, So Black Power Blueprint, Amos Wilson has a book called The Blueprint for Black Power. It is like one of his uh, most, you know, widely recognized publications in the pro-black community. And in this book, he really outlines the blueprint for black power. And that's where I got the title from that song. And what about that, the notion of uh, true liberation requiring that those things remain intact? Do you have anything to say about that? Uh, no, other just, than... Just it speaks for itself? Yeah, yeah. Land, 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 language, and culture were three of the primary things that were stripped away from African Americans, Americans who are Africans when they came here amongst a host of other things. But unless you have um, access to land that you can call your own, unless you have a language that is your own, um, and unless you have a culture that you have full control over the narrative, um, you never will have power, you know? So the hook, got guns, need food, so we won't land. Black power blueprint for the black man. They trying to take us out. Time to make a stand. Black power blueprint for the black man. All about my fam. I don't do friends. Black power blueprint for the black man. Stay strapped because the cops is the new clan. So it's basically about family, culture, um, you know, protecting yourself, uh, which you need land to do that. You can't firmly protect yourself if you don't have land. Um, and uh, culture. Which I think actually is a, a great segue into Federal Reserve, which is a song that yeah. you're playing tonight. I like that tune a lot. The Federal Reserve, for me, um, I learned a lot about the Federal Reserve through a documentary by um, Aaron Russo. He has a documentary that was called um, um Aaron Russo has a documentary that is slipping my mind right now, but he basically broke down the origin of the Federal Reserve and where the Federal Reserve came from, the Federal Reserve Act, 1913, J.P. Uh, Morgan, Paul Wahlberg, um, John D. Rockefeller met with the center off of, doc, off of Jekyll Island, Georgia. The uh, documentary is called America, Freedom to Fascism. There we go. And that, that documentary right there, you know, this is before I start understanding racism, white supremacy. I was much more into that stuff, the, the, the Federal Reserve and the government and, and 9-11 stuff and conspiracies. Before I was into that before I got into racism and white supremacy, before I start understanding. You know, I was understanding because I was understanding that from an from a isolated point of view. Once I got the, the white supremacy piece, it all, it, all, it all made sense. It all made sense. But... um. 
Federal Reserve. So it goes back to what I was talking about as far as trying to mix the medicine in with the food, trying to put information out there, but make it catchy, make it to where people want to listen to it, make it to where people are not going to fall asleep, wanting to, you know. So Federal Reserve is one of those catchy, upbeat songs where people will be dancing to it, vibing in their car while subconsciously being hit with this notion of the Federal Reserve. And who, who is the Federal Reserve? Yeah, the manipulation, the... Uh uh, the symbolism, yes. uh, you touch on all of that. It's, right. Yeah. In 1865, according to Dr. Um, Dr. Clark, uh, 1865, African-Americans had less than one percent, one half of one percent of this nation's entire wealth. Uh, here we are in 2018 with Oprah Winfrey, Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Michael Jordan. African-Americans still own and control less than one half of one percent of this nation's entire wealth. So economically, we haven't moved one iota since the civil rights, some, you know, since uh, Civil War. Uh, so, you know, Federal Reserve, while the song may on the surface seem like a celebration of money and, you know, we get money like the Federal Reserve really from the perspective of an African-American, somebody who was systematically denied access to wealth. Um, whenever we talk about money, we talk about it in means of survival. You know, we talk about it in means of feeding our family and, and in means of, uh, you know, uh, providing for ourselves, providing for our family. So that's is really what that, that song is speaking to, as opposed to celebrating, you know, money. Another one on there, Pyramids to Plantations, Project to Prisons. And there's a lot going on in that song. Yeah. Pyramids to Plantations. High, it's about the high school to prison pipeline. One in four black men won't graduate from high school. One in three black men will spend some time in jail or prison during their lifetime. Um, African-American males are, you know, um, arrested at virtually the same rates uh, for drug offenses, drug-related crimes as their white counterparts, but uh, convicted at three times the higher rate. Um, African-American men, African-Americans make up 12, 13 percent of the United States entire population. African-American men make up a mere six or seven percent of the United States entire population, but account for 53 percent of the prison population. Um, so pyramids, the plantations, projects, the pyramids is speaking of speaking to that. But it's also speaking to the historical legacy of the African-American, which doesn't start in slavery um, in the history books in the public educational system, a lot of the times when they talk about African-Americans, they like to talk about our history starting with us coming to Jamestown, Virginia in 1619, and that's where we begin. When, you know, African-Americans, we are, we are the original beings, you know, human beings on the planet, or we're the first people that is on the planet. All other people are descendants of the African. Um, are, are, are you know all all other people are descendants of, of of Africans. So, with the African being the original man and the original woman, you know, we're the original you know fathers of philosophy, the fathers of of mathematics. We're the first to 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 map out the the cosmos. Um, so it's real important for us to know these things. More importantly, is important for us to know these things as black people as african-americans because that is what gives us a certain level of dignity and self-respect and self-respect is needed is required in order to use your brain at the highest level so um pyramids to plantations that's what that's all about I uh, want to venture from the album for a second. Tom, you're a history guy. Um, one of the books that you listed, uh, Damien, as a, an influence was Lies My Teacher Told Me, mm. Everything Your American yeah. History Textbook Got Wrong by James Lowen. Mm -hmm. The book is basically how many falsehoods we're taught as we're growing up. But it, I think if you zoom way out, the book is criticizing the idea that we're always getting better because if we can't see those times when we're getting worse— like, how in the world are we going to improve and actually make a better planet, make a right. better society? Well, and how do we remember not to go back where we'd already come yeah. right. and keep moving forward? And that's partly what even our history is doing for us is, is looping us back around many times and, and uh, when we should be pushing forward. Correct. Sometimes, uh, there's the famous expression, uh, those who do not remember history are... Doing to repeat it. Yes, but I'm thinking 
Many times it's those who remember history use it as an excuse to act badly. Uh, you can look back and say, well, that's, look, that's what they did then. Well, yeah, that's what they did then, and we're doing it again. Um, and you're justifying it for the same reasons. There are so many examples in our history of that. So, yes, it's good that we remember history, but it's good that we remember it so we can push forward and stop making these same mistakes. And we're not doing that. We're using the lessons that we get from history as our guide to continue to act poorly. And uh, that's my big beef with, with our history studies and the way we regard history in this country. Let's move forward. Yes, we see that. We shouldn't have had World War II. We shouldn't have been in Vietnam. We shouldn't be in the Middle East. But we keep using the lessons we learned in history to place us back there when we shouldn't. You know, I, I wanted to ask you, so this weekend was kind of a big weekend in this country for racial issues. Uh, the march in uh, Washington, D.C., 24 assholes were able to lock down an entire nation, an entire news feed for a week while we got ready for it, while we heard it was coming, 24 showed up. And this was, of course, the anniversary of the Charlottesville the incident anniversary from 2017. Of the Charlottesville. And this was the, uh, it was going to be a unite the right, uh, uh, These people show up and, and there's only 24 of them. And I think that uh, we need to look at even the way we're responding to these. So we know that 25 individuals showed up. The amount of attention that they were able to draw who has the power to give them that attention? And that's, I think, what you're criticizing, That's right? what I'm criticizing, right. exactly. What my man is addressing is this, Tom is addressing is the structural nature, the systemic nature of, of, of racism and white supremacy, because if they didn't have that support, um, it wouldn't have got that amount of attention, yes. and it wouldn't, we wouldn't have saw things play out as it did. Yeah. But I think the important question to ask is, you know, uh, why would they want to give something that, that much attention? Why are they seemingly agitating, you know, tensions between the races in this yeah, country exactly. when they know that things haven't been effectively or affirmatively healed? So, I mean, those are the larger questions that I think that we should ask. I think the old strategy of divide and conquer is steadily being played out. Um, you know, he or, he or she who doesn't control the media, um, he or she who controls the media controls the narrative. Yeah. So, again, it goes back to the power structures that are writing out this narrative for the world to see. You know, um, we got to draw some arrows back to the president who has created an atmosphere yeah, in which we're seeing like social learning theory play out in real time. Where you know the you know, psychiatrist Bandura, the um, Bobo doll experiment, when they put the kids in the room full of toys and you know allowed the kids to told to go punch on the doll, saying you know um, punch them with a hammer, hit them in the face. You know, a good portion of the kids didn't do it a small portion of the kids did do that but the thing about it was after the experiment and the psychologist Bandura talked to the kids who didn't partake in hitting the doll and they told the kids hey you know if you want to do that there's going to be no repercussions in doing it the kids who originally didn't do it went ahead and did it you know they went and beat the doll um so when you have a person like Trump that is out, you know, on public television, making the remarks about immigrants that he's making, making the remarks about black people that he's making, making the remarks about marginalized uh, countries that he's making. It's giving people who might have that same thought process in their head who originally wouldn't act on it, yeah. but are seeing a very powerful individual at the head of this country you know, say these things and it's giving them he's 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 literally activating something inside of, you know, people that has been lying okay. dormant yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. Can I say something? Yeah, please, yeah. <clears throat> um I've always said that systems of oppression are invisible, especially now in history. They were less so, I think, before I think they have adapted to become invisible because that gives them a lot more power. Yeah. There is a lot, there is a huge lifelong psychological gaslighting that happens to everyone in this country that 
if you don't see these systems, if you don't know they exist, nothing in this world makes sense and it drives you literally insane. I don't know what the word insane means. It messes with your head to the point where it scrambles your thoughts and nothing makes sense because cops are supposed to serve and protect. You have never seen them in your entire life serving and protecting, but you have, that is the, an, an, an unavoidable truth that you're not allowed to question. You know, the, the government's supposed to be there to help people to keep the peace. You have never seen that before. If you don't understand these systems, nothing makes sense. And I think this is why kids, a lot, this is why, this is true about me, this is why a lot of kids act out. Nothing, the founding fathers were supposed to be the heroes of history. They were all rapists. They were all slave owners. They were all racists. None of them did anything good for anybody except themselves. themselves. So when this is a mass gaslighting that screws your head up psychologically, when this is why it's important to talk about these systems, make them visible. Um, sorry, just one more thing. Uh, I think something a lot of people don't realize is 100 years ago, all poor people knew that the police were their enemy. It was a regular thing. Everybody knew it. And now... That's somehow I don't know that history. That is that messaging is different. Now the average pro person uh, might might uh, have gotten some message in school that the cop is the good guy. A hundred years ago, the labor movement people were getting in gunfights with cops on an everyday basis. You know, if you owned property, if you were a white male and you owned property, then you were good. Any, anyone else? No. It's coming back around, uh, especially True. with so much homelessness on the street. True. The police True. are the hammer. And there was a story today in the Press Democrat about them having to move another hundred homeless people out of the neighborhood that they had moved That's into. That's the fourth thing they've moved them into. Yeah, yeah I mean, this, this one poor guy was living in his van. He's 72 years old. They took his van. They gave him time to unload his stuff on the sidewalk and took his van. A history goes in these cycles and we're speeding toward the rise of fascism and the rise of oh, global yeah. warming. We're speeding to that clash that's well, yeah. inevitable. Yeah. Global warming is really going to push the fascism a lot quicker, too. It's uh, You're going to have the ability to maintain your comfort zone, but it's going to require all of your weapons to push the masses away from you right. and, and to control the masses. And this is where we could end up, yeah, in my lifetime. Yeah. And I don't have that much time left. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go into one more song on that album. And I appreciate you being so generous yeah. talking about all this stuff because this is really great. Well um, this one is, uh, it's the 12th track. And again, I'm not going to say it out loud. Um, but it talks about the three derogatory names for the poor section of each group. Um, and you basically, you, you put three uh, derogatory names together in the song title. What was the reason for doing that? Niggas, white trash, and illegals. The reason for doing that was, goes back to Fred Hampton's quote. You don't fight fire with fire, you fight fire with water. So you don't be, you're not, we're not gonna be racism with more racism, we're gonna be racism with solidarity. Um, a big part of liberation of us all from the clutches of racism, white supremacy, is for marginalized groups within the African American community the black community per se, within the brown community per se, and in the white community to, to understand these these uh, intersectional lines where we, um, you know, um, are experiencing the same struggle. So in my particular opinion, the greatest common thread that we have is the economic struggle. You know, there's only 1% of people that are really running away with all the wealth while the majority of us squander in poverty. Whites, um, you know, the average American white is given the illusion that they have more than the black and the brown. And, you know, on the surface, they do. But at the end of the day, you're in the same boat as we are. So I think as a young budding, you know, rebel or revolutionary, I, if I can draw the lines of... Uh, correlation between us and our struggles and i can uh use that as a bridge to bring us together to understand that you know we're all fighting against the same system we're fighting against the same structure albeit on different fronts 
But if I can get you to understand my struggle and you can get me to understand your struggle and we can understand each other's struggle, maybe we will be able to get each other up out of this struggle because it's 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 a common foe that we're up against. Um, and it's a very small group of people that we're up against. It's not all white people. You know it's what I'm about saying? 1%. Exactly. It's not all white people. So, you know, I like to make that designation, you know. There's really three people on the planet, in my opinion. That's white supremacists, white people, and non-white people. Not all people who practice, not all white people are white supremacists, first of all. Not all people who practice white supremacy are white. You got black and brown people that'll do you in just as quickly as a white person. But all white people benefit from white supremacy. So until we can collectively get white people to understand until I can collectively get um, impoverished whites to understand that they're in the same position as we are. And until the African man and the African woman is liberated, like where none of us are going to be liberated. Uh, that's where that song came from. Niggas, white trash illegals. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm so appreciative that you've gone into so much on that album. Cause there's a lot there. And I think that anybody who enjoys your music or has known you, you know, in, in whatever chapter of your life, um, there's just so much of yourself in this album. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Um, I also really appreciated that you sent over some literary influences. And one of them was uh, The Alchemist by ah. Paul, was it Coelho? Yeah, Paulo Coelho. Paulo yeah. Coelho. And um, central to this book is the idea of one's personal legend. Mm-hmm. Have you read this book, Tom? I have. It's you, a beautiful uh, journey. Well, there you go. Well, yeah. I, I have not. So um, I, I would imagine then that you have uh, identified or thought about your personal legend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, one of the big quotes that stood out to me in the book was, um, basically, when you believe something with conviction, the entire universe will conspire to make that a reality for you. So the legend you know, that I want to leave behind is someone that was able to be essentially an alchemist. Now, alchemist is somebody who can, you know, turn a rock into gold, somebody who could take nothing and and, and transform it into something. Um, I wanted to be that. I wanted, you you know, I want to be able to one day on a big stage, like looking like in an interview just like this, but stop, like, hold on a minute, look in the camera and say, hey, you, 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 you can't, I was you, like, you can do this. You know, the dreams that you think of behind that television right now, you sitting and you watching this, like, wow, I want to be there. You can do it. All you got to do is reach inside of yourself. What you believe with conviction becomes your reality um, and make it happen. It's, 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 real, it's real deep for me um, to leave something behind that transcends time. I don't want to just be a rapper in this moment. You know, I'm really writing rap and music to like leave my page in the hip hop history books. Like everything in this universe is based on energy, vibration. To understand the universe, all you need to do is understand three things, energy, vibration, and frequency. The only thing that separates me, you, Jim, Tom, Edgar from this table is that we're vibrating on a different frequency. So for me, um, understanding my energy as a vibratory spiritual being and being able to tie up into my cosmic divine assignment, that is the biggest part of my legend. Everybody that is here as a spiritual being has a cosmic divine assignment. You have a cosmic divine assignment. The point of you being sent to this realm is to figure out what your cosmic divine assignment is. The point of the system that we've been talking about, the point of that and what it's designed to do is to prevent you from tapping into your cosmic divine assignment, to prevent you from manifesting the truest sense of yourself. That is what the system is designed to do, to prevent us from tapping into that. And in process of preventing us from tapping into that to capitalistically exploit us. So um, going back to the energy, you know, energy is the only thing that is real in this realm. Money is fake, right? Energy is real. Money is fake. Yet we've been convinced to spend a good portion of our lives 
40 hours a week going into a job, giving our cosmic divine energy for $10 an hour, $12 an hour, $13 an hour. Meanwhile, they're giving us fake money, fiat currency. We're giving them our inherent divine cosmic energy that is irreplaceable. And they're building, big, building businesses with it, skyscrapers. They're really mining resources, uprooting entire you know, ethnic groups from their land, from your energy. So my whole thing is uh, I want to be a light being that shines a beacon that's so bright that I allow and empower and liberate other light beings to tap into their inherent divine light and shine on the world. And you just, I mean, you did the most fitting conclusion we could have possibly done for this episode, but I have one more prompt for you. Um, but boy, that was, that was a roundup right there. So thank you for that. Um, there's a phrase that I see you use a lot that I'd like to go into a little bit. Your music is released under the label Decolonized Minds Records, and you once wrote that you're here to put a flag in the ground and tell the world that a better you starts with a decolonized mind. So tell us and tell people who are listening, like, what is a decolonized mind and how, in your opinion, does somebody work toward that? Uh, so Decolonized Mind, that's the name of the little independent record label that I started. I manufactured the thought of that while homeless in that car, told myself I was going to start my own independent record label and use that as a platform to speak truth to power and shine, you know, light on dark areas. Uh, when we talk about colonialism, we're talking about uh, Europeans in particularly coming and conquering and forcing their way of life on individuals and various ethnic groups. In some instances, wiping out entire ethnic groups. Um, When you look at the public educational system in the United States, it is based on a colonized paradigm. You know, it's, it's, it's based off of, you know, mission schools. But when you get to the heart of the curriculum in the public educational system, K through 12, it's based on a Eurocentric foundation, which means everything is coming from a European lens, which gives them the agency to uh, say who was there in history and who wasn't there, who was the victor and who was the loss, who, who lost. So um, decolonize minds, it's about decolonizing your mind. There's actually no, decolonized mind is a made up word. There's, you know, there's no such thing as decolonized Mind, you know, but decolonize to decolonize your mind means to pull out the uh, the Eurocentric framework that is inside of your mind that is preventing you from operating in your true self. So, me as an African American man, if I am separated from my African identity, I am clinically, you know, out of my mind. If I am an African American man but I am operating outside of my African identity, which as an African-American man, you, you go through K through 12, they literally program you, they socialize you to operate outside of your African identity, to, to reject your African identity altogether. You don't learn about anybody powerful. You know, you learn about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and what happened to them. So they teach you from a very young, early age to fear speaking up, to fear speaking truth to power, um, and decolonized minds is all about separating yourself from that. It's all about um, a big part of like right now, the, a big phrase in the community is woke, being woke. You know, um, a big part of being woke is decolonizing your mind is to first to be woke. You have to unlearn a lot of the things that you've learned. So that's what decolonized mind is. Decolonized mind is unlearning a lot of the things that you think that you know that you really don't know um, because it's based on a Eurocentric paradigm. And everything that is coming from a Eurocentric paradigm is based on a linear perspective as opposed to a uh, much more uh, holistic, uh, well-rounded one. Um, so decolonized minds is that. Decolonized minds is, 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 is about... Decolonizing your mind, relinquishing yourself from the Eurocentric uh, mindset, psychological framework that prevents you from 
acting in the best interest of yourself and your culture? I like to think of it as uh, destroying the European savage and becoming civilized. Yeah, <laughs> that's another way to put it. <laughs> well, this has been an episode that I was really looking forward to. We've been talking about it for a long yeah. time, and I yeah. am just so grateful that you both were a part of this tonight. Yeah. I mean, this uh, this episode... It's the episodes like this are the reason we do what we do. I mean, you have jammed so much of what you've learned and what you've absorbed and what you've experienced into your art. And now tonight you get to not only play that music, uh, three songs, but also talk about it for over an hour. And it it has been uh, just a a real joy to sit on the stage with you two tonight and talk about that. So, so thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, looking forward to sharing more music with y'all and looking forward to performing some music for y'all too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I say best of luck to both of you guys. Keep doing it. And now the culmination of everything we've talked about, uh, the art that you've created, uh, a performance by Damien Square and DJ Broken Record backing him up is next. Thank you for joining us, guys. Yes, sir. Thank you for having us. Smoking weed to escape the hell And growing up we had to watch for 12 So you know the deal The ghetto got a nigga hating life Gotta flip a couple grand just to make it right Get to the back, get to play it tight Because I'm young and black, they wanna take my rights I can't afford another strike A nigga made it through the dark just to see the light Rebels Club, is you ready or not? Middle fingers to cops who be invading the block Ladies, babies are shot, night and day non-stop And hell, them gon' rock, they did that bumbo clock Fuck them, double cup, never gave a fuck Put your middle finger up In the Rebels Club, stay in the cut Cause the cops on the hunt, gotta keep a pistol tough we don't play in the California state, niggas all about they pay. In the Rebels Club. Stay out the way, shots the rapid forte, got my game from the bay. The Rebels Ooh, we coming independent. She asked me when I'm coming, I told her in a minute. She wanna fuck my car, that thing was fully loaded. A player had to get it. She choosing like a critic, I told her hit the ground, we don't do the digits. I know you feel my spirit, I can change your life. I'm talking rags to riches. With a good weed, let me get a light A player need a drink, fuck what a hater think The rebels spin the link, working out the numbers Iron out the kink, plugging all leaks The cops is on the creep, and they don't wanna see the black man eat So I stay down for my people, and shitting on them devils And turning all the young thugs to rebels on a whole nother level Double cup, never gave a fuck, put your middle finger up In the rebels club, stay in the cut, cause the cops on the hunt Gotta keep a pistol tug we don't play in the California state, niggas all about they pay. In the Rebels Club. Stay out the way, shut the rapid forte, got my game from the bay. It's the Rebels Club. Double cup, never gave a fuck, put your middle finger up. In the Rebels Club. Stay in the cut, cause the cops on the hunt, gotta keep a pistol tough. In the Rebels Club. We don't play in the California state, niggas all about they pay. In the Rebels Club. Stay out the way, shut the rapid forte, got my game from the bay. It's the Rebels Club. song right here is dedicated to all the brothers and sisters who've lost their life to police brutality. Put your ones up in the air for me. I'm gonna tell you ass one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time, I'm gonna tell you ass one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time. Watch for the one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time. If you driving while black, 
Watch for the one time. They'll pull you over, give your ass the rundown. Like, what's that smell in your car? And where's your ID? I'm thinking, do the right thing like I'm Spike Lee. I know he pulling me over because he don't like me. But if he tests me, I'm going to kill him. I swear to God Almighty. Damn, near lost my psyche trying to bow with Whitey. That tough talk, badge, and gun don't even frighten me. Young black male shot up on the news nightly. Guns and crack sales, they've been locking fools since the 90s. Look to my future because my past is what's behind me and I'd be damned if I take a trip to the county jail and gotta sit in a cell a couple calls to make bail to get me out of this hell it smells I need to get me some air too many demons in there drop to my knees say a prayer don't make me a martyr make me wise and smarter I don't ask for shit often not as top I'm thinking I should off him for he put me in the coffin hit the gas and I lost him I'm gone one time Watch for the one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time, I'ma tell yes, one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time. Fuck the police, no justice, no peace. The one time, got one time to fuck with me. Stand on my own two feet, plus I be playing for keeps. And repping all of my peeps got me like a million deep. For four hours, Michael Brown laid in them streets. Buh, 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 wake the fuck up, y'all still asleep? I'm right awake and I be watching the Jake. I know he worked for the state and that he had it a snake. My nigga ain't no debate. I know you're puffing your grapes. I know you're riding your scrape. But do you know you're still a slave? In our brains, we thinking we the same. Just cause we got some money, but we do not see the chains. We do not see the pain. They treat us inhumane. Wake up from this nightmare. Martin had a dream. Martin had a dream. Wake up from this nightmare. Martin had a dream. I'ma tell you ass one time, one time. Watch for the one time. Put your ones up. Watch for the one time. Put your ones up. Watch for the one time. I'ma tell you yes, one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time, watch for the one time, one time. Dip Mr. White Man, I'm on the mic stand. And I swear to tell the truth, I raise my right hand. I know my rights and I can't recite them. So when I see your flashing lights, I don't give a damn. It's like I'm in a trance, possessed by ancestors. Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X. Mega Evers, my mama told me desperate times call for desperate measures. And if I can't have liberation, then death is better. All together, we sick of being beaten. Each and every weekend, you strip us of our freedom. You stop me for a ticket, now I'm on the ground leaking. Or shot up in a coffin while I preach a steady singing. Should I watch out for the one time, one time? Watch out for the one time, one time. Watch out for the one time, one time. Watch out for the one time, one time. My poor baby. Oh, he, ha. Watch out for the one time. That goes for everybody. Especially you revolutionaries. Fuck the police. Michael Brown, rest in peace. Trayvon Martin, rest in peace. Tamir Rice, rest in peace. Sandra Bland, rest in peace. Kareem Gaines, rest in peace. Eric Gardner, rest in peace. Andy Lopez, rest in peace. Alex Nieto, rest in peace. Oscar Grant, rest in peace. Oscar Grant, rest in peace. Oscar Grant, rest in peace. All my brothers, rest in peace. How many of y'all know about the Federal Reserve? Make some noise if you know about the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is where they print your money at. They print it out of thin air. So I'm gonna tell y'all a little bit like that about that. Let's go. Be about your paper, man. Your federalities. Your Chipper Jones. See, we about that. Your favorite rapper's favorite rapper gets his money from here. They print the shit out of thin air. You hear me? 
We up the 40 on the cops, cause they out to kill us. Y'all squad wannabes, I bullets, copper killers. We got a lot of niggas drinking on the lot of liquor, smoking on the lot of swishers, so you know you bout to fill us. Whoa, young nigga wildin', I'm always high, so that's why I be smiling. Made a pit stop, slid to my bank account, and I don't really know how much that I'm taking out. Two chains got a big amount. Your girl a hoe, I don't want figure out. I'm on my hustle now, stacked about 50,000. Flip that, triple that, now it's time to double down. This is Santa Rosa, hustle town. We keep it quiet, but we smoking loud. The niggas with it, the bitches down. When I need a jug, I'ma hit the town. Keep it moving so you know a nigga get around. 360 degrees, the money spinning round. We ain't nothing but G's, so ain't no kid around. We slapping so they love our sound. I can show you how. To get your paper, respect the game, and watch the hater. We some true players that's ahead of the curve, and we get into the money like the Federal Reserve, nigga. We get money like the Federal Reserve. We get money like the Federal Reserve, nigga. We get money like the Federal Reserve. It's money over everything, fuck what you heard, boy. We get money like the Federal Reserve. We get money like the Federal Reserve, nigga. We get money like the Federal Reserve. It's money over everything, fuck what you heard, boy. Check your dollar bills. It's got symbols, pyramids, spiders, and government seals. I keep a strap because the government steals. The 99% is on the government heels. Riding around in tent, puffing on kills. Suckers trying to count my paper, they don't know me for real. They be printing all this paper so I know that it's real. But I wish we were back by the ghost standing still. Hop out, ghost at the wheel. Hop right back in and get ghost like I'm killed. Give a fuck. Who faces on the bill? My people gotta live. You haters need to chill. Slid through the front, but I parked in the rear with a wink. Shorty passed me a beer. My vision is clear. The end is near. Before we disappear, I'ma spin it so the feds know I'm here. We get money. We get money like the Federal Reserve. We get money like the Federal Reserve, nigga. We get money like the Federal Reserve. It's money over everything. Fuck what you heard, boy. We get money like the Federal Reserve. We get money like the Federal Reserve, nigga. We get money like the Federal Reserve. It's money over everything. Fuck what you heard, boy.